Hi, Katie. Welcome to Have You Ever Heard Of, a history podcast. Where we talk about people from history you may or may not have heard of. <laughs> yeah, I can't top that. <laughs> How are you? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Yeah? <laughs> I le- I'm pretty good, actually. I, I learned to play... Um, I haven't played my guitar in, like, a year. For some reason, I haven't played it throughout the entirety of, like, lockdown. I finally picked it up, and I learned how to play Plug-In Baby by Muse. And, oh, I love that. Um, yeah, it's a really fun little riff to play. It's, like, yeah, it's kind fun. of, like, twiddly, but it's it's fun when you get the hang of it. And then, like, uh, Wherever I May Roam by Metallica, which is a f- fantastic song. Amazing. So you've actually done something productive. Because yeah. lockdown for me is never productive. I just feel <laughs> depressed. That's how I felt. That's why I haven't picked up my guitar. I was like, what's the mm. point? I'm never going to play with my band again. I may as well rubbish. burn all my guitars. <laughs> and then I picked up and went, hmm, I might have a little noodle. And then I, yeah, learnt two songs. So that's pretty good. That is good. <laughs> I've been, I've just been sick the last couple of days. And that kind of boring kind of sick where you can't do anything. So it's just watching Netflix. So I finished season four of The Crown. Oh, yeah. In like one sitting. Already. It wasn't one sitting, but it was like, <laughs> it was pretty persistent watching. <laughs> which I... I saw a lot of my work, which was really fun. And I was like, that's my work. That's my work. That's my work. Oh, yeah. Which bits does it feature? So many bits. Um, mainly, you know, the bit where like Diana moves into the apartment. Oh, yeah. In the, that that's yeah, yeah. my work. Oh, is it? Okay. Where then. she's like getting tutored and she's like doing ballet. Yeah. That's that's literally right two seconds from my door. No way. Like the library is like right there. So that was really fun. Oh, that's and really cool. my uncle he's not my uncle, he's like my uncle, you know, like my friends, like yeah, a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's in <laughs> episode ten. Oh really? He basically okay, tells Thatcher to bugger off, which is really fun. I'll look out for him. I think we're on episode I'll six at the moment, so uh, nice. we'll be there soon. Very, like, Diana-centric. And I was just telling one of my colleagues, actually, um, that one of my early memories is of Diana dying, because hmm. I was, like, seven. But it's, like, one of those memories that's incredibly clear. Yeah. So I have memories before that, but this one is, like, sharp, focused, clear. I remember it happening. I remember my parents, like, telling me, and then I remember sitting, like... You know, you had a TV when you were, were a child and it was mm-hmm. really small. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have one of those and that, just sitting really close to the TV, like so close, and just watching like the the media and like the footage and the, and people like with flowers laying them like in London and How? just being a bit confused about like, not confused, I knew who she was, but I didn't have any like strong feelings towards her because I was like seven. Yeah, so so, so so I must have been I must have been quite old then. You must have been like eleven or twelve. Yeah, so I was like, um, see, all I can remember about that was um, the roads were really quiet. Like there was no mm. cars on the road for like we live like used to live like oh my mum lives on the main road in Colchester, so it was always really busy and it was like the first time I think in my life I could remember it being uh, completely dead. I mean, I li- I grew up in London, so it was, like, even weirder. Yeah. Like, it being, like, dead. A lot of watching the news. That was the first time where there was, like, a lot of watching the yeah. news. You know, how, like, with this presidential election, I've watched the news, like, a lot yeah. more recently. Con- yeah, and that yeah. was, like, yeah, the first time I remember news being, like, on, like, constantly. Mm. Uh, anyway, don't know how we got into that, but that's a nice <laughs> bit of a Diana combo. Oh, Diana. This is just going to stoke up more Charles hate for uh, for another generation. 
<laughs> yeah, unfortunately. The actor, actor that plays him, though, is so good. Yeah, he's yeah, really good. Incredible. He was in my work as well. There's a couple of scenes. I'm like, damn, I didn't see him. <laughs> we should have been there. Because I wasn't there for any of the filming. They either do it on a Friday when I don't work or the weekend. Um, so some of my other colleagues have like met them. We're just like chatting to yeah. them. Oh, wow. And I was like, god damn it. But it's still really cool. weird. I, mean, I don't want to see them in like their normal lives i don't even see when i'm on like a chat show like they do they like they make up the part so well that i don't want it to be working obviously i've seen olivia coleman in loads of other stuff but yeah but, um, yeah she's so good and she she has played um margaret thatcher's daughter in a different she was in the iron lady she was margaret thatcher's daughter oh, yeah. so this is like a weird thing <laughs> where she's now like the queen oh man she had it difficult oh carol I haven't seen Carol for a while. She used to be on TV, like, all the time. Just pop up on chat... Like, not chat shows, just, like, crappy daytime TV. But she hasn't been around. Yeah, I don't know about the picks for the next season. Like, next season. Like, there were... Who's it? Uh, what's his name doing, Charles? Is it Melda Staunton as doing the Queen? Yeah. Dominic West. Is it Dominic West? Yeah. Just never Charles? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love Dominic West. I love him. I don't know. He's all right. But I know, but like him in the wire is so good. I still was in the wire. Still, see, yeah. this is why you don't love. Me. Yeah, I guess so. My favorite bit of the wire is this bit where he has to go undercover as like a British guy. Yeah, and because obviously Dominic West is British, but yeah. his character in the wire is American. So instead of like dropping his American accent and doing this perfect British accent, he puts on this really fake British accent <laughs> over his American accent. And it's That's just really perfect. Because you wouldn't do this perfect, normal, yeah, acclimatized yeah. native English accent. You would do like a terrible, like <laughs> Drusilla from Buffy accent. That is like uh, above and beyond. Well, okay, fair enough. Maybe he'll he'll put it off. Yeah. Maybe he will. Um Shall I talk about an American then? <laughs> yeah, I think you should. I think it's time. The time has come. Okay, it's time. So this person I wasn't going to do. And then I was reading something online. It's not... I didn't even know really this... I mean, I knew this person existed, but I didn't know anything about this person, apart from like one fact. Mm. And I was reading a list on this website, List First, where they were mentioned. And I was like, I wonder if this person's interesting. And I looked her up. And I was like... Okay, that is interesting. And one of the reasons she's interesting is because you need to take a very, like, revisionist approach here. Mm -hmm. Because she's revered. She's well-liked. She's kind of seen as, like, this really, like, big figure. Almost like some sort of, like, federalist heroine. Mm -hmm. But she was also a slave owner. So it's, like, one of those things where, like, you can't forget her. Yeah. But you also need to, like, take a step back from what you do know about her. So, have you ever heard of (laughs) Dolly Madison? Uh, I have not, no. Well, have you heard of James Madison? Um, As in President James Madison. (laughs) (laughs) My knowledge of the American presidents is not good. Oh, well, that's good then, because you're about to learn. (laughs) Also, I should do a really quick spoiler warning. If you haven't seen Hamilton and you don't want to know anything that happens, which would be, like, really weird because it's, like, based (laughs) on true facts, please come back to this episode at a different time. (laughs) Can you treat history as a spoiler? I don't know. (laughs) More like in The Crown. It's like, spoiler warning, Diana dies at some point. Damn you, Daily Mail. (laughs) (laughs) I was 
I didn't know. Imagine <laughs> there's someone out there watching it being like, I did not know this was going to happen. <laughs> okay, so Dolly was born, Dolly Payne, on the 20th of May, 1768, in a Quaker settlement in North Carolina. Oh, a Quaker. Yeah. And you uh, guys. <laughs> what? I'm not a Quaker anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. So keep saying that every time I go. Just for funsies. Um, the settlement was called New Garden. It was in Guildford County, where is where like Greensboro is now. Her parents were called Mary Coles and John Payne Jr. They were both born in Virginia, but had moved to North Carolina in 1765, three years before Dolly was born. Dolly's mother was the one who was a Quaker, and her father wasn't. And when they married in 1761, basically he applied to become a like into their Quaker sect. Do you have to and- apply? Is it like a yeah, he had to like apply to be in that particular monthly meeting. Ah, uh, okay then. Okay. And he was admitted in 16, uh, 1764. So, um, John then became a very fervent Quaker and they brought up their children in the faith. So when Dolly was one years old, mm-hmm. they returned to Virginia and Dolly grew up on her parents' plantation. She had seven siblings, three sisters and four brothers. As a child, she was made to kind of, like, obey her parents, and her father was quite strict. So she had this quite traditional childhood. Mm-hmm. So in between then and her teenage years, the first, like, the American Revolutionary War happens. So in 1783, after the American Revolution was over, Dolly's father um, emanci- emancipated their slaves. So this actually meant basically like the Quaker the Quaker monthly meeting was in. Yeah. Kind of said like everyone has to do this. So he did it. But that also endangered his livelihood because he had a plantation. Yeah. So they had to do something else, basically. Yeah, it's common practice with Quakers. Yeah, they were uh, well, Quakers for, were like, you know, were all in favour. He was yeah. it's not like he was made to do it. He was in favour of yeah. like uh, of freeing them, but this did mean that the plantation wasn't going to be able to run. Yeah. Just as in context of like what happened there, between 1782 and 1810, more than 30,000 slaves were free, set free in Virginia. So this was like a big wave of like, you know, slaves being set free. In that same year, when Donnie was 15, the family moved to Philadelphia and her father went into trade as a starch merchant. So this is what he decided to do instead of the plantation. At the time, Philadelphia was the largest and most cosmopolitan city in the whole of America. As you may know, or not know, depending on your American (laughs) knowledge, um, Philadelphia was like a kind of temporary um, capital while Washington, D.C. was being built. So Philadelphia allowed Dolly to learn more about life as a teenager. She liked to gossip and and talk about stories of love, and she soon had a number of suitors. She was particularly beautiful (laughs) but she wasn't vain about it she kind of didn't like entertain any of these suitors at the time she didn't want to marry too quick so she wasn't the uh, song by the streets the song by the streets don't you know it (laughs) (laughs) so unfortunately for the family her father's business failed in 1789 he was forced to declare bankruptcy so was he kind of just like a running kind of like shipment all right he wasn't like going out of the sea no i think no it's just like yeah on land trade merchant um but he basically 
because he didn't pay his debts back and because he was dishonest about it, the Quaker meeting he attended actually saw this it's like weakness and expelled him. And oh, it wasn't boy. that he it wasn't that he became bankrupt. It was that he like was dishonest about it and didn't pay his debtors and stuff. So yeah, they expelled him. Um, two of her brothers were also banished. We don't actually know why. It was kind of covered up, which probably means they were somehow like put shame on the family, like alcoholism or gambling or similar. So um, her father died in October of the next year. Oh, ma'am. Dolly's mother, Mary, had to make ends meet by opening a boarding house. However, she needed to offload some of her children. <laughs> so she took the two youngest to live with her daughter. This taught Dolly about how to like smooth things over and to, like please people. That's what she learned from her mother. This kind of like way of, of just being like, we're just going to brush everything under the carpet. <laughs> so in January of 1790, Dolly married John Todd, a Quaker lawyer she had met in Philadelphia. Dolly's father had told her to marry him on his deathbed, and she didn't want to marry him, but she didn't want to, like, disobey her father when he's, like, dying. Oh, man. That would be a faux pas. She's just been, like, cast into this marriage. Yeah, I mean, I think she was, like, okay with it. Anyway, basically, uh, they quickly had two sons, both born before 1793. And then... In August of 1793, a yellow fever epidemic broke out in Philadelphia, killing 5,019 people. Jeez, that's a lot in for In four months. That's probably like half the town at that time. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Well, no, it was a lot more there, but yeah. A lot of people, though. <laughs> it's a lot of people. Um, Dolly's family was partic- hit particularly hard. First, her mother and father-in-law both died, and then she lost her husband... And her youngest son, William, who died, like, a day, like, the same day or the day between the last day. She was also very sick, but she survived, along with her older son. So it's just the two of them now. Um, Dolly's sister, Anna, like, moved in with them to help with um, the everything, basically. <laughs> Dolly still also had to take care of her other son, and, you know, she had, like, no money of her own. And so her husband had left her money in his will, but his brother, like, withheld the money and she had to sue him for it. Not only did she have to sue him for the money that he left her, but her son was considered part of the estate of her husband. So she had to sue him for custody of her own son because the son's part of the estate. It's just... Was the brother a Quaker as well? Because this doesn't sound like very good Quaker this is our husband's family. Okay, were they, but they weren't... I don't know if they were all Quakers, oh, okay. but, like... Yeah, Because if, mean... if so, they sound like pretty bad Quakers to me. <laughs> <laughs> but also, as you'll come to realise, it probably would have been better for her if the son had gone with the brother. Oh, boy. Okay, so despite all this, she was still considered a beautiful woman. She was only 25. Um... Men used to stand on the street outside her house just to watch her walk past... <laughs> Um, she was also living in the temporary capital of the USA, Philadelphia. So, you know, there was all sorts of things going on around her. So she wasn't too downtrodden about the death of her first husband. She didn't even like him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to marry him anyway. So she caught the eye of a Mr. James Madison, who represented Virginia in the US House of Representatives. The hall he worked in was just around the corner from her house. Some sources say it was Aaron Burr who 
many of you may know as being the man who shot Alexander Hamilton, who introduced them. They met in May of 1794. It only took one meeting for her to have him fall for her. Madison was known as a big intellectual. He was shy and short and kind of sickly, but he was also kind of funny and he was known for his dirty jokes. <laughs> he um he didn't have much luck with women and most people thought he would be like a permanent bachelor, but it was not to be. Madison was 43 at the time, which was 17 years older than Dolly, who was still, as I said, in her 20s. So Madison became determined to have her. He was a famous man and she was delighted to have his attention. Like people would like know him in the street, be like, oh my god, that's that's James Madison, like over there. Like, you know, he's one of the founding fathers yeah, yeah. of her. Full on celeb. Yeah, like proper this is a celeb I'm basically doing Kanye and Kim here. This one. <laughs> um so <clears throat> and the Mrs. Washington, like the Mrs. Washington, summoned Dolly to her titi to interrogate her about their relationship. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of like this is gossip this is like scandal well not scandal but like this is like romance so in august of the same year remember they met in may he proposed and she accepted they developed a great partnership and real love she had the charisma that completely completed him and i read like some of their letters to each other they're just so cute I love Aww. it. Ah. So I'm imagining some kind of like city situation where he'd like whisper stuff in her ear and then she would say it for him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. That's where I put my head. <laughs> Maybe we can go with that. Let's start a rumor. <laughs> History rumor. Okay. Um. He wasn't a Quaker, which means that she couldn't be one either. I, I really, really don't understand where this rule came from. Anyway, yeah. Whose rule so. is that? A the Quaker rule. Quaker, Quaker rule. It's the same in Judaism, I think, where um, it comes from the mother's side. So if you are a man yeah. and you want your children to be raised in the Jewish faith, you either have to marry someone who is within the Jewish faith or they have to convert. I think hmm. that's why Ivanka Trump had to convert. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So she started attending um, other servers. Um, that weren't Quaker. Some say she was ready to get out of it anyway, to be honest. Um, straight after, she started dressing more fashionable, showing her neck and shoulders. Oh, boy. I know. Scandal. Scandal. <laughs> Scandalous. She was, was she getting those ankles out as well? Oh, let's not go that far. <laughs> um, so, Madison was a slave owner. A plantation, and there's no evidence really to show, despite her Quaker upbringing, that she disapproved of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In 1797, James Madison retired from politics. <laughs> Not really, it's a lie. He and his family moved back to the family plantation in Virginia, which was 5,000 acres. She slipped quite easily into life there. They relied on slavery for their livelihood. Her personal experience showed that if you freed slaves, then you live your livelihoods like her father did. That's her personal experience from life. So, what do you kind of expect? You know, she didn't know anything better. Um, but again, doesn't make her, you know, a saint. So there are a number of letters between Dolly and Madison, like I said. Only about 30 remain. Um, they're really affectionate and playful and longing, and she calls him her best friend, which is cute. Okay, so then we come to the election of 1800s. Cue... The song, The Election of 1800, from Hamilton here. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson was elected president, and he asked Madison to be his Secretary of State. 
They're like BFFs. Yeah. Jefferson Madison. He accepted and they moved back with their domestic slaves to Washington. They got a big new house and Dolly was expected to be to entertain. So um, the building of Washington, D.C. was still unfinished. There were no streets and the streets that were there didn't have houses on. So like houses without streets and streets without houses. It was like a muddy mess because Washington is actually built on a swamp. <laughs> so yeah. She was calm. She embraced it. She was lively. She wanted to help build this new city. What, what year is this now? This is 1801. Okay. And they move to Washington. They didn't just help Jefferson with politics. Jefferson at this point was a widower. So he... And also Jefferson was a bit like of a radical. He wanted to send a message that he wasn't like a monarch. Because at mm-hmm. this time America was like still finding its feet. And like how to be... A, you know, a republic. Yeah. So he did all these weird things. Um, for example, he had this British diplomat come over. Um, his name's Anthony Mary. And Jefferson greeted him in his dressing gown to start with. While Jefferson was wearing his dressing gown, I mean. And then when they had dinner, basically it was supposed to be the case that Jefferson would escort Mary's wife into dinner. As, like, you know, being the social norm. Mm-hmm. However, Jefferson didn't do that, and instead he escorted Dolly into dinner rather than the wife. And this actually became known as the Mary Affair. Mm. So Mr. Mary, the British diplomat, made this big fuss about it, and they were really offended and didn't attend any more events with the president. And some even say this contributed to the starting of the War of 1812. (laughs) (laughs) Because the British were just so stuffy about that. I cannot believe he didn't (laughs) escort my wife into dinner. How dare he? Etiquette is very important. (laughs) It's just so weird. I love it. As we Um, can see from the crown. (laughs) Just definitely give a fuck. Like, he just did not care. Um, so, basically, Dolly was like, I've got to fix this, right? So she befriends Mrs. Mary and stresses, like, empathy and sympathy, and they become friends. And whether or not it's, like, fake friends or not doesn't really matter, yeah. because she helped put the affair to, to rest. So it's kind of like she's, you know behind the scene she's doing politics still end up burning down that white house eh? Mm. Well, <laughs> in, in 18 was... <laughs> in 1812 we're coming to that we're coming to it um so she became like a crucial part of the washington social circle uh however her son Payne was becoming a big problem he clearly needed the guidance of a father and boundaries of mother and he wasn't getting that but they were both way too soft for him she didn't like confrontation and her default position was just to be nice to him and give him whatever he wanted. He needs your mum to like come and sort him out. <laughs> Tiger mum. Tiger mum. <laughs> so in 1808, Jefferson was ready to retire having served his two terms and the Democratic Republican caucus, which is weird to say that, like it's two different, because at that time it's Democratic Republicans and like the Federalists. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. then the caucus nominated James Madison. Um, this was partly down to Dolly. She played a crucial role behind the scenes. Seeing as, like, open campaigning was at that time frowned upon. Like, you couldn't just, like, campaign like you do now. Mm. Everything was, like, behind the scenes. So this was the new model of 
This was like the original model of what we see now. The candidate and his wife, or of course, the candidate and the husband, was created by Dolly Madison. So what you see now, like, you know, waving hands, like with POTUS and FLOTUS, that was all created by this couple. Mm. The newspapers were not happy with Dolly. And they started spreading rumours, like, because they weren't happy because she was talking to men about politics. How dare she? (laughs) She How dare she? Above her station. (laughs) Um, So basically they just, like, accused her of having affairs with, like, everyone they could accuse her with. And said that Madison was oversexed by Dolly. And she just, like, brushed off. So just some fake slut-shaming. Non-existent of slut-shaming. She just smiled and ignored them. She was just like... She called this something like... She said something like, oh, this would be a great play. (laughs) And just shamed them. and She didn't care. She she (laughs) knew it clearly wasn't true, so she just brushed it up. So Madison won the election in March and served two terms from 1809 to 1817. His... Opponents said that he would have had a better chance of winning if Dolly hadn't been with Madison. (laughs) (laughs) Dolly therefore became the first official White House hostess. They began with an inaugural ball. She wanted to invite a cross-section of society. 400 people attended, from gentlemen to farmers. She said that anyone that could afford the $4 entry fee would be allowed. So Dolly and Madison wanted to start this new. They didn't want to be like monarchical, but they also didn't want to be radical like Jefferson. Madison really wanted to make this new system of government work. There's a lot of anxiety about whether the Republican like experiment would work. Duels would happen like every day between people. Like <laughs> there was like a duel I don't know what you call it, a duel stage? I don't know what you'd call it. Like round the corner from the White House. Well they were like there was an official Yeah, where they, like, people were just like duel. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know what you'd call it. Someone tell us what you'd call that. Is it a <laughs> ring? Is it like a... And they would happen, like, between members of parliament, and people would be killed. Wow. Um, like, obviously, unfortunate Mr. Hamilton. Wow, I think so. Things were, like, polarised then. A little yeah. like today. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dolly decided, you know, something was to be done. She contributed to her husband's popularity as president and she was known for her social graces and hospitality in washington there wasn't anywhere people could come together socially and discuss things like in an informal setting and dolly realized they could use the white house to host informal political discussions she began by furnishing and decorating the executive rooms she worked with benjamin henry Latrobe, who was the architect of the white house to finish off what hadn't been done she Knew this would be seen as a political move, but she knew that she what she was creating would be a symbol of America. And God damn it, was she right? Am I right? <laughs> she insisted that all the furnishings, like all the furniture and everything, would be American, like everything. Um, she had her own sense of style and chose like bright colors, like the red, like curtains you see in the White House. Mm. That was Dolly. Um, every Wednesday, Dolly threw open the doors to her party. They were so popular that people called them squeezes because there were like too many people inside. They were informal, which was like totally new. Most of the politics took place at these parties. So you could basically get stuff done in a nice dark corner of Dolly's parties without having a jewel. Um, <laughs> underneath all this, there was 
promotion of Madison's political agenda. So if someone had disagreed with Madison that day in Congress, she would lead them off to a room to quietly meet with Madison and, you know, she would hook them in basically like they can't disagree with him when they're at his wife's like house eating her famous ice cream. And that's a real thing. She had famous ice cream. <laughs> um, so everyone loved her. And she put in a very good show of loving everyone. She wrote to all influential people, women all over the world, asking them for recipes for her parties. She wasn't really asking them for recipes. She was making connections, forming alliances with women all over the world. She invented the position of the first lady. And that's the first time that the term came into use. She made public what a wife, quote-unquote, of the president should be. So the they had had presidents before this. She was the third. No, she was the fourth. Mm-hmm. But Jefferson didn't. He was already a widower. So she was like the third wife. And But the other two just weren't interested in being involved in the politics, yeah. where she saw being the first lady as like a full-time job. Mm. So this is where it kind of comes from. Okay, so we're talking about uh, the burning of Washington. <laughs> so in 1812, the war of, uh, with Britain began. The country was split. Madison wanted to stay neutral because basically the British were fighting with France. Yeah. As we always were. Good few centuries of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Madison wanted to stay neutral. Um, but Britain were like enraged by this and captured some American soldiers. And Britain were just... America had to retaliate, so they went to war. Um, people were blaming Madison for the war going so badly in the first couple of years. Also, during this time, Dolly's internal worries for her son were getting worse. He was now 21 and he showed no enthusiasm for anything except for, like, drinking women and cards. (laughs) Madison sent him to Europe on... By the way, I'm using Madison for James Madison and then Dolly for Dolly Madison. Because like, it's yeah, weird yeah, yeah. calling him James. Like, he's the pres- <laughs> he was the president. Like So Madison where, sent him to Europe. Where, where about in Europe? Because this could backfire. Yeah, well, yeah, just, it does. If he's going to France, this is going to backfire. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so basically, they sent to Europe on a diplomatic mission, whatever that means. Um, but And they indulged him. They were like, he's the prince of America, you know, he's like the president's stepson. But then he disappears and ends up in Paris. <laughs> of course, of course. But basically, like, just drinking and <laughs> learning French from a woman. Of course, he's learning, <laughs> learning French. Learning I've French. I've used that excuse before. <laughs> so she, all the men in her family had basically failed her for Dolly. Yeah. Um, her husband died. Her father, you know, was bankrupt. Her brothers were kicked out of the Quakers. Her other son had died. And now her other son... Is just wastrel. So I think you can tell why she was so like attached to her husband. Because he's the only man who like hadn't completely, completely failed her. <laughs> well, actually I say that. There is one more man who we'll see. Um so America attempted to evade Canada in eighteen thirteen, <laughs> which was a really good move. And this prompted Britain to force an attack on Washington in 1814. So, on the 24th of August 1814, the British approached. Madison was at uh, Bladensburg, waiting to meet the British, and Dolly waited for Hit Madison to return, alone in the White House, just her and a couple of her slaves. One of the slaves, 
was Paul Jennings. And this is a man I was talking about. He was her personal slave and he was only 15 at the time. A messenger rode up to the house and warning that everyone should flee. Dolly ordered that the Stuart painting that depicts George Washington should be saved, along with the silver and some of her curtains. She knew that the British would take this painting as a trophy of victory, and that's why she wanted it. So basically they couldn't, like, unscrew it from the wall. It was taking too long. So she just took the canvas... Well, she did. <laughs> her slaves took the canvas out of the frame and entered the painting. <laughs> she wrote of this incident, I insisted on waiting until the large picture of George Washington is secured and it requires to be unscrewed from the wall. The process was found too tedious for these perilous moments. I have ordered the frame to be broken and the canvas to be taken out. It is done and the precious portrait placed in the hands of two gentlemen from New York for safekeeping. So popular accounts credit Dolly with saving the painting and this made her a national heroine. However, obviously it was her servants a lot of whom were slaves, who actually preserved the painting. She had a good idea for national symbols in general. Obviously, the White House, and now the Washington painting. Um, This is one of the first true American national symbols, and it was seen as act of patriotism and defiance. Dolly hurried away from Washington in her carriage. Um, They first went to Georgetown and then back to Virginia. The British soldiers burned the White House to the ground, not before eating the dinner that had been laid out for Dolly and Madison. (laughs) We Uh, are dicks, really, aren't we? (laughs) Then, that night, a huge storm happened and the deluge of water actually put out the fire. I didn't know that. Damn you, weather. But but I guess, like, you know, the British brought the weather with them. (laughs) However, the city had been destroyed by pillaging and destruction. A few days later, the danger seemed to have passed and she returned to the capital to meet her with her husband. There was talk about abandoning Washington altogether. Uh, Philadelphia offered them the Independence Hall, but Dolly knew Washington was an important symbol and she didn't want to concede to the British. Dolly and James moved into the Octagon House, which is around the corner from the White House. Um, Dolly managed to give parties again and she went everywhere in Washington to make, to make sure everyone knew that she hadn't given up. She adopted a charitable cause, so she was the first first lady to be involved in charity. It was a girls' orphanage for those orphaned by the war. Um, And then Congress voted very marginally, I think it was like seven people, to stay in Washington. 1815 saw the signing of a treaty with Britain, and Dolly threw a huge party. (laughs) Uh, Madison gives a different version of presidential power during wartime. He didn't put anyone in prison because they didn't disagree with him, which was like way different to what happened before. His popularity soared and Washington was just one big love fest for the next two years. So wait, previous presidents were jail people? Yeah, if they didn't agree with them, they just put them in jail. That does not sound like a democracy. The democracy they keep going Well, this is... This is the thing, like, they didn't know how to, like, run this, like, Republican country. <laughs> so they were like, yeah, let's get freedom. Oh, shit, we have to, like, run it now. <laughs> like, how do we do that? I don't think that was even happening in Britain. Oh, it was. I mean, maybe not, like, the Prime Minister, but, like, kings always put people in prison. Henry would put yeah. anyone in the tower. Someone sneezed near Henry and they put him in the they, tower. <laughs> the British king didn't have the power to... That would be in post-glorious um, revolution. 
Yeah, it's, this is um, nearly Victoria. Yeah. Well, we're about to be in Victoria because we're about to get into the 1830s. So mm. this is um, William. William IV. So on the 6th of April, 1817, Dolly and James moved back to the plantation in Virginia. So obviously his two terms are up. Um, Madison wanted to make money from the publication of his papers they weren't like a wealthy family. They had a big house and a plantation, but it was like kind of a facade. They didn't have like cash flow. <laughs> um, Dolly wanted to still give parties, but she was separated from the city that she loved and all the people that knew her. In 1830, Dolly's son Payne, <laughs> who had never had a job. Oh boy, this guy. Went to debt as prison in Philadelphia. And they had to sell some of the land that they owned in Kentucky and mortgage half of the plantation to pay his debts. Madison tried to shield her from the real truth about her son, like didn't tell her the whole truth because she still like would do anything for him. Um, and then on the 20th of June, 1836, uh, James Madison died at the plantation. Their personal slave, Jennings, who I mentioned before, was with him most of the time and was with him when he died. He was kind of like like a valet or butler who they just didn't pay. <laughs> so he was like anyway. treated well, yeah. but like he was still a slave. He still didn't have his read. Still didn't get a life of his own. Yeah. Oh, also Dolly was with him as well. When he died, she sat with him day and night. Hmm. She was like completely beside herself with grief. They had been together for more than 40 years. Hmm. Okay. So during that time, Dolly organized and copied her husband's papers. Congress authorised a payment of $55,000, which is a lot now, never mind, mm. like, in the 1780s, as a payment for editing and publishing seven volumes of papers, including notes on the 1787 convention, which were, like, priceless, basically. In 1837, Dolly returned to Washington, leaving her son in charge of the plantation. Oh, no, that's not... Who is clearly a really smart move. <laughs> Oh, um, she and her sister Anna moved into a house on Lafayette Square and Dolly took Paul Jennings, her personal slave, with her as a butler, which forced him to leave his family in Virginia. Okay, so while in Washington, Dolly needed to raise money for her son on the plantation. He was struggling due to his alcoholism and related illnesses. She tried to raise money by selling the rest of her husband's papers. But then it's just well, it just wasn't working. She was becoming like impoverished so in 1844 Dolly Madison sold the plantation and all of his property including all the slaves to raise money to live on she became impoverished and she didn't really know what to do with the slaves Madison has stipulated in his will that the slaves c- could not be sold without like Dolly's consent mm. but she had to sell them so she basically managed to sell them to neighbours so the families would still remain together mm. Jennings had tried to arrange a purchase price with Madison Dolly. Um, but in the end, she also sold him to a friend. It was like a senator um, for $200 in 1846. Six months later, the friend gave Jennings his freedom for which he paid the senator in work. So basically, Jennings is finally free, mm. but not because Dolly freed him. Because he managed to buy his freedom from his new... But then he's just indentured for how long? Well, no, he he... worked for like six months, I think, and then... And then he was free. free. Okay, then. Yeah. Um, So Dolly had written in her will to give freedom to Jennings, but Hmm. she sold him before 
she died so yeah, doesn't really help it Jennings um, then went on to write a memoir of his time with the Madison so he could write okay. um, and he said in his memoir in the last days of her life before Congress purchased her husband's papers she was in a state of absolute poverty and I think sometimes suffered for the necessities of life while I was a servant to Mr. Webster he often sent me to her with a mark with a market basket full of provisions and told me whenever I saw anything in the house that I thought she was in need of to take it to her. I often did this and occasionally gave her small sums from my own pocket, though I had years before brought my freedom of her. So basically, like, he had to buy his freedom from her and then when he had it, he, like, gave money to her because she was impoverished. What a guy. Yeah, he's a Can we talk about legend. him? I did actually look at him to see if we had enough information of him, but I would probably have to read his memoir, and I didn't yeah. want to like not do it justice. So maybe at some point I'll do him, but yeah, like later, he he can go on the list. This just makes me feel a bit icky. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's like hard to ignore her contributions to like being the first first lady and and like saying up basically like saving America in a way. Yeah. But, like, it just makes you feel icky. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. yeah being um, able to just consider human beings as commodities is just uh, it's just too, too weird a thing to overlook, I think. So she was kind of living in obscurity at this time. Hmm. Um, she was back at the plantation, but then she decided, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to move back to Washington. She began to make new friends and calling on old ones. And she even made friends with the new flutists. Dolly became a symbol of a time of founding out of America. And people really wanted to be part of that. Because she was like like the grandma of America. <laughs> um, Ploke, who was the new president, commissioned a photograph of the White House. And she was in it. We also have other photographs of her. We don't have any of President Madison, but we do have photographs of her, which is pretty cool that you have, like, portraits and photographs. So would this be the current White House design? Yeah, this is the current White House. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that first one was quite different, wasn't it? One that we... Well, it was the one that was burnt burnt to down. the ground. <laughs> so when the first telegram was set up between Washington and Baltimore, she was asked to be the first person to send a message. So she was the first American to send a telegram. She was awarded an honorary seat in Congress, the only private citizen to ever have had one. In 1848, Congress agreed to buy the rest of James Madison's papers for the sum of... There's two different, like, sums, but it's around twenty to $25,000. She died in her home in Washington in 1849, the age of 81. And her son died two years later. Oh, Probably wow. from alcohol poisoning. I thought he would go before. <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> was like, when's he going? <laughs> she was first buried in the Congressional Cemetery in Washington, D.C. She wanted to be buried with Madison, but every time money was raised to like move her to the hmm. plantation, it had to be given to Payne's debtors because he, like, his son, her son left loads of debt. Yeah. Um, but later, she was finally um, moved to be next to her husband in Virginia. The whole government, including the president, attended her funeral and they had to shut down the government for a day so everyone could attend. Oh, wow. And that is the story of the first First Lady. 
The first of all the, the first, first one. <laughs> F Flotus. First Flotus. <laughs> the Flotus. So this is why I'm saying it's like a revisionist history because like all of that would have been really cool if she hadn't had slaves. Yeah. Every because time it's like, you know, oh man, like crops up, you're like, oh god. Yeah. But it, but like we can't forget her just because she like she had slaves. Yeah. We can just we just have to like remember Wings, that yeah, when we're yeah. talking about it needs her. to be noted. Yeah, exactly. And it... we have to remember Jennings as well because like his story would be really cool. I need to get my hands yeah, on definitely. his memoir. And he was him and other slaves were the actual ones who saved the portrait which is like that's the one fact most people know about dolly madison yeah and we just have to remember that she ordered it to be done but then again like like she didn't actually do it however she's right in the fact that the british would have definitely taken that portrait and like paraded it through the streets of london yeah that would be in the the portrait gallery right now and uh we nabbed that which would be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still in the White House right now. That, right. that portrait. Yeah, in like the dining room or something. Oh man. I bet yeah. every time a British dignitary goes there, they're like, we could have had that. We could have had that. <laughs> they're like, should we try and, should we try and <laughs> do it that? again now? It is by right hours. <laughs> we burnt this All of this out. is ours. <laughs> Who's your favourite first lady? I don't think she's my favourite first lady. I think my favourite first lady is probably Michelle Obama. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. Though I feel like Jill Biden has got a good chance at keeping her to her post. She's a professor. Yeah, she's an academic. Mm -hmm. We need more academics up there in positions of influence. Prof. (laughs) So what are you having for dinner? Uh, I think I'm going to make a Thai curry. Oh, nice. Or maybe a Chinese curry. I'm going to make a curry. From, She's going to make a curry, from everyone. East, from East Asia. <laughs> Somewhere in East Asia. <laughs> it doesn't have to be specific. You can just have a general curry. Well, you're doing a, like an Asian thing, and I'm doing a British thing. I have empire mash. So Where are you? Very nice. We are, we are the stereotypes. I haven't had a pie and mash in ages. What sort of pie are you having? I've got uh, like a paka. It's a, it's a vegan imitation pie but Matt's got like a steak nail oh yes that thing very tasty. he's decided that he wants to be like eat more fish and he's like I'm a pescatarian now I'm like you're having a steak and ale yeah, pie that's... today I was like the opposite <laughs> of a pescatarian <laughs> oh yeah that's about as meat as you can get really and I will say you know the fish industry is like worse <laughs> in yeah. a way <laughs> like they're literally drowning yeah. things <laughs> uh, yeah we are fishing their emotions dry <laughs> Well, that's a phrase. And if you'd like to hear more of Dan's phrases, you can tune in next week and subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And thank you very much for everyone who has subscribed so far. And uh, follow us on the uh, evil social media. I'm going to keep having a go on social media every week. <laughs> but we're also still trying to get you to follow us on it. Uh, at, on Instagram and Twitter at Have You Ever Pod. And see you next week. Bye! Bye!